0: Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hello, and welcome to the podcast. I'm editor Candace Keener, joined by staff writer Jane McGrath. Hey there, Candace. Hey, Jane. I wanted to bring our listeners up to speed about. A special fact about you they might not be aware of. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's Coming that spot. in addition to being a very fabulous history writer, Jane is also the website's resident money writer. That's true. And so she wrote this article that's technically for our money channel of the website, but it has such strong history overtones or undertones. I'm not sure. <laughs> anyway, it alludes very strongly to history and facts that we thought you all might be
2: interested in. So we decided to hijack it and present it to you today. Yeah, it's a really cool subject and uh, pretty fun because it's it's fun to imagine what life would be like as a president, you know, even though they have probably the most stressful job in the world. <laughs> it's uh it's really fascinating to delve into all of these special perks and and uh, extras that they get just by virtue of being the chief executive of the United States. And it's pretty controversial,
1: some of these big financial perks that the president gets, because, as you know, if you've been keeping up with the news, the Obama administration has really been cracking down on people from Wall Street and perks that people in the financial sector have been getting. And many of them have been uh, lashing back at the president and saying, you know, you get a lot of perks, too. And what's more... Yours are tax free, so who are you to say what we can and cannot have? You know, you have the salary. The president's salary is capped by nature of, you know, the law, but he gets plenty of things on the side that have some people pretty worked up. He doesn't even need a salary for all these other things that he gets. And two presidents in history have actually refused the salary. Do you know who they are? Oh, I don't. George Washington and JFK. Oh. I mean, JFK had tons of family money,
2: so. That's true.
1: (laughs) I kind of understand. But, But George
2: Washington, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I'd uh, kick it off with the White House, which is probably the most obvious of the presidential perks. All in all, there's about 132 rooms in in the residential White House and and 35 bathrooms. In addition to the standards of the the swimming pool and the tennis courts and basketball courts, you've got the jogging track and the putting green, uh, which just sounds so much fun.
1: I know. The real estate ad really writes itself, but it's off the market, you guys. And in addition to um, the pursuits for active presidents and first families, if you're a little bit more sedentary, well, uh, that's working in your favor, too, because there are at least five chefs in the White House, including a full-time pastry chef. And if you are an appreciator of fine arts, you'd be happy to know that the president can request different works of art to be brought in from the National Gallery on loan. And I actually have a personal anecdote about this. Um, you may not be surprised to know that I have people, and <laughs> I got to go on a very behind-the-scenes tour of the White House a couple of years ago, during which I saw the White House kitchen, which is much, much smaller than you may have thought. Really? Yeah, yeah. I've seen pictures, actually. It did seem small it's from the pictures. Yeah. And I saw the florist, and I got to meet the uh, the resident florist there, as well as George Bush's cat. So that was pretty cool. Aww. And um. The point of the story is about works of art, because my source told me that during the Clinton administration, Hillary Rodham Clinton was a very active... Art enthusiast, and she very much enjoyed swapping out the different works of art. And one time, she wanted a very heavy and unwieldy piece of sculpture brought into one of the gardens, and it was a huge production to get this thing put down safely. And of course, the curator was there, you know, just fretting back and forth the whole time that something would happen. But it was put into place, and I think it was um, taken out undamaged, unscathed.
2: So oh, wow. funny story about that. <laughs> Only
1: if you are president and first lady, can you command a huge, unwieldy piece of sculpture to be put into the garden. <laughs> Isn't
2: that nice? That, yeah, that's awesome. And that's in an addition to the super expensive fancy furniture that they get as well, right? Yeah. In the White House? They get $100,000 to redecorate the White House. Right. And as
1: you may know from reading my blog, the Obamas elected not to take that and to use their own money to redecorate. But in addition to that money, the president also gets to choose from an array of historical desks that have been used by other presidents. So, you know, for instance, someone could use the desk that, uh, Lincoln had used. That's so cool. I know. <laughs> I know. Think about all the historical documents that were signed on that thing. All the yeah. different speeches written.
2: Emancipation proclamation. There you That's go. Awesome. And,
1: um, all manner of rugs. Oh, yeah. I heard that the rugs are just stacked right on top of each other, and they're so heavy, they have to get huge machines then to lift them up. So the, yeah, and the there was talk see recently
2: them. about uh, changes that Obama made, of, especially the Oval Office, I mm-hmm. guess. Uh, he took out a bust of Winston Churchill, and he did he bring in a new rug? Or I remember talk about the rug in, I'm not the, sure. in the Oval Office. I'm I'm there sure was some the talk rug. about that, but in terms of money. Uh you mentioned the florists. The flowers alone, uh, one source I found said that they cost about more more than two hundred and fifty thousand per year. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. And upkeep alone for the entire White House is about four million a year. So it's a it's a sweet pad they've got there. It definitely is. So if you've got a great house, the
1: next obvious perk would be great modes plural, of transportation. We're talking about the presidential limo, the uh, two Boeing 747s, Air Force One and Marine One.
2: Yeah, and Air Force One, it's kind of weird because technically whatever plane the uh, president is on is referred to as Air Force One, as the radio call uh, name. But, you know, in common parlance, you know, we, we talk about Air Force One, specifically talking about these really awesome planes, the Boeing 747s that you mentioned, and there are two of them actually, and I think sometimes when they take when they take the President out, one acts like a decoy, partly to carry cargo and partly to carry staff, which, that kind of sucks to be a decoy <laughs> um, and to be flying on a decoy as a, as a staff member, but anyway, the Air Force One planes that we're talking about carry up to 70 passengers, which is not including the 26 person crew, and uh, there are areas, special areas for the staff, even media, and uh, security, of course. And, and the president
1: has his own workout room.
2: Yeah, I, isn't that nice? It's wild, yeah. Um, in addition to a really nice office and bathroom and bedroom even. Can you imagine having a bedroom on a plane? That's awesome. Um, and like you mentioned, Jane is
1: really, really excited about this. I
2: think to you, presidential perks is about medieval tortures to me. We both have our own little areas of fancy. <laughs> Mine makes more sense, I'm sorry. Um, so... Uh, you have, uh, this is, we're talking about the middle level level of the plane. There's actually multiple levels. The upper level, you have the cockpit, the telecommunications, um, center, and on the bottom level is for cargo, but you don't really need a whole lot of space for cargo because there are other, uh, special planes, uh, C-141 Starlifter cargo planes that carry actually the motorcade of, um, the president and they, uh, send the limos, the armored limos to wherever the president is headed.
1: Including places like perk number three, Camp David, which is the super private getaway of the president. And when it was
2: originally built, I think it cost only, what, $25,000 to build? Yeah, it's not much, but it's been renovated so much, and it's such a a nice... Uh, relaxing place and it's the fact that it's ultra secure like it's got super super um, strong security and ultra close it's only an hour's drive from yeah. dc not that he needs to drive though he well, takes he a takes the helicopter pass. he takes yeah. the
1: helicopter <laughs> <laughs> and it was renamed camp david during the eisenhower administration and that was after his grandson which i think is incredibly
2: sweet that's true that's really cute but i don't know i like the first name Uh, Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Shangri-La, named after uh, the Tibetan utopia in the book uh, Lost Horizon. And And the Stevie Nicks solo album, right? That's right. There you go. Um, It's got 11 different cabins,
1: a pool, its own skeet shooting range, and its own private office cabin, so the president can get some work done while yeah, he's there Yeah, so well. even
2: though it's kind of a, a relaxing place to go, it's still a place of business, and you probably remember it, um, it's most known for when President Carter used Camp David as uh, a place for peace talks between the Egyptian president and the Israeli prime minister in 78. And what's interesting about Camp David is that, unlike the White House, you mentioned you had a behind-the-scenes tour of that, That's that's awesome, but Camp David is completely closed to the public. Like, well, I hate to break it to you, um, but no, you're right. i never. No, okay, no. <laughs> I was like, oh, I am red. <laughs> high authority. Um, so yeah, this it's weird that unlike the White House, it's closed to the public. It, it's even more secure than the White House in that way, and it's nice also because it's on top of a mountain. And mm-hmm. so, uh, growing up in D.C., I know how hot that city can get, and so you have much. Uh, I think about ten degrees cooler temperatures up up on top of that mountain at Camp David.
1: And in addition to all of these wonderful perks that the president gets to enjoy while he's in office, other little ones being things like having your family around the office. You know, they, they live there. It's also your office. It's nice. You know, your your kids yeah. come in and just say, hey, Dad, how's it going? Yeah, I know. I like working from home. If flexible work hours. As yeah. we know, uh, during the George W. Bush administration, he liked to go in early Take a little break to go work out and then come back. And I think Reagan was pretty famous for actually taking naps during the workday, hmm. which is a luxury we do not have yet around the House Stuff Works office, but fingers crossed. You oh, also I get spell, I smell like a petition going I on. <laughs> you get free soda from Pepsi and Coke, and like I mentioned before, complimentary m MMs. Oh, Isn't that nice? That's really nice. So, in addition to all these little perks you get while you're in office, you may be happy to know too that the president is taking care of after he leaves office, and since 1958, all presidents have gotten a pension. And this is particularly happy news for people like poor Thomas Jefferson, who, as you may recall from the Monticello podcast, actually died more than $100,000 in debt. Oh. And he would have been in luck had he had a much later administration, because as of March 2008, the pension was $191,300 Annually, not too shabby. In addition to a staff, an office, office supplies, and Jane, you pointed out the ex-presidents also get phone services.
2: Yeah, yeah, they get all the extra perks for for their office. Um, and it's interesting you mentioned uh, Thomas Jefferson because uh, back when I was researching first ladies. Um, Dolly Madison actually died pretty poor because I think one of her relatives, after after James Madison died, uh, after her, her relatives kind of squandered her money and, mm-hmm. and she died pretty poor, which is now widows are more or less taken care of as well if they want to be. It's interesting the wives or the spouses of ex-presidents also get benefits. They they get a pension if they want to, but a caveat to that is that they have to waive the right to any annuity or pension under any other legislation. And um, really, uh, this became um, an issue for Nancy Reagan and Betty Ford. They didn't want to waive this right, so they actually didn't get that pension. But um, LBJ's widow did, until she died just recently in 2007. Um, and what's interesting, um, another point about the wives of ex-presidents, Is Hillary Clinton is an interesting situation because she's, in addition to being a spouse of a former president, she's a senator now, or she just was, um, before being uh, secretary of state. She, uh, while she was senator, got protection shared uh, by the U.S. Capitol Police, who usually handle the senators, and the Secret Service, who usually handle the spouses of ex-presidents. So it's just interesting to see how widows are handled, especially when they take on more roles.
1: And you think that this may be superfluous, but our country has no monarchy. We obviously have no royal members of a family to take care of. And the president and his wife would be the closest thing to royalty that we have. And to consider how much a president, even an unpopular president, puts into his office... You wouldn't want to think of him or his widow living in squalor.
2: Yeah, that's true. And and you want them to be able to focus, you know, on the job that they were hired to do. And, and
1: what's more, even after the president and the first lady leave the White House, their names continue to carry a lot of power. And right. as we mentioned in the first lady podcast they can attach their names to many different causes and really continue to make a difference out of office. And President Jimmy Carter even famously said that he's made a bigger difference out of office mm-hmm. than he ever did as president. And if you don't know, uh Jimmy Carter and Roslyn Carter are very active at the Carter Center, and they're still working very hard as philanthropists and making people aware of different... Uh, Causes around the world, like like free voting rights and um, uh, guinea worm eradication. So it's important that the president is given
2: the tools that he needs to continue his work. Definitely. And another interesting part about being a former president is that they usually get a presidential library. Um, And every president except for Nixon, since... Uh, Herbert Hoover has gotten his own library. And recently George W. Bush has gotten some press because he's made, um, a lot of money really quickly and, um, he made, uh, more than a hundred million for the library in the first 100 days after, after he, uh, left office, which is, you know, record-setting pace. And his library is scheduled to open, uh, 2013. Uh, So you have this library, which is raised by private funds, but the archivist actually gives the president's official records and papers over to this library and manages it for him or her. One interesting thing that uh, I found researching the retirement perks is, like you mentioned, Candace, this didn't start, uh, the former president didn't start getting uh, perks until 1958, and back in 1912, there was talk about giving them perks because Andrew Carnegie actually said that he wanted to, to start giving a pension to these former presidents, which sounds really nice. But yeah. Congress found this kind of inappropriate coming from a private donor. I would say so. Yeah, you can see sort of, um, you know, mixed motivations there, maybe. But... Um, so, Congress was like, no, we don't want that. And so they introduced legislation to start uh, giving them a pension, but that died. So, they weren't ready hmm. to do it either. So, unfortunately, it went another uh, about four decades. Finally, in the 50s, poor Truman was <laughs> suffering. He's struggling to pay and hire a uh, staff. So, Congress finally passed that legislation in 58, thank goodness. So.
1: And another perk, if you can call it a perk, is that when former presidents die, their funerals are paid for and they get a very grand state funeral. Yeah, which and at least
2: takes the uh, burden off of the family. It dies, yeah. which is very
1: important. And prior to their deaths, they receive medical treatment at military hospitals and they continue to have security parks throughout their golden years. So as you can see, there are definitely a lot of advantages to being president of the United States. You get the $400,000 a year salary, your $100,000 in expenses, and a very hefty entertainment account that is renewed annually. But I believe that whatever you don't use at the end of the year goes back into the funds.
2: Yeah, that sounds sounds right. So
1: what is there not to love about being President, well, for one, you become a little out of touch with the world sometimes. I think, this, so? of course, depends on the president. I yeah. think some presidents are more in touch than others. Although I will say, I, I don't believe Bill Clinton jogged McDonald's too much toward the end of his term. <laughs> I think that was just in the very beginning. But um Ed Rogers, who was deputy assistant to the president and executive assistant to the White House chief of staff during the George H. W. Bush administration. I told a little anecdote about going to McDonald's once when he was traveling with Ronald Reagan. And apparently someone gave Reagan a $50 bill to pay for lunch. And Ed Rogers said, he looked like he didn't know what to do with it. Really? And if you're president (laughs) and you have this expense account and everything is being done for you, I can imagine that, you know, things like that would be unsettling when you're a, a common person again or you're thrust into the, uh, the world, um, But presidents do have to pay for stuff. They may have White House chefs, but presidents have to pay for the groceries. They have to pay Mm -hmm. for their personal care items. So you can request anything you want cooked, but if you haven't actually footed the bill at the grocery store, it's not going to happen. And another downside to being president, uh, the anti-perks, if you will, is that everyone has an opinion about what you do. And I think with the Obama administration, even so early in the game, this has been a huge deal. And I think that the American public, and not even just the American public, maybe the international public, has been very nitpicky about this family. For instance, um, the dog, little Bo Obama, before Bo Obama came to be, mm-hmm. there was much debate about whether the Obamas would get a purebred dog whether they should adopt one. And as you'll recall, they had special concerns about their daughter's health since she had allergies to dogs. It was very important that they got one that was, you know, I I think more allergy-friendly. Right, right. And a story that really piqued my interest since I'm interested in fashion and style was Oscar de la Renta getting on to Mrs. Obama for some of her choices of attire, wanting to see her wearing more American designers, nitpicking the items that she had chosen. And he even commented, you don't go to Buckingham Palace in a sweater. Because she did. She had on a little stylish cardigan. (laughs) So bearing that sort of criticism is pretty rough. Yeah, and And in addition
2: to that, I mean, like, one of the perks we alluded to earlier was the Marine One uh, helicopter. And, you know, that started a controversy... Um, because it ended up being much more expensive than it originally was thought to be. And this, of course, was, this program was started to before Obama came in. So, mm-hmm. and during when he was campaigning and he heard how expensive it was getting, he was like, Oh, we need to take a closer look at that. And it's tough because he's, he's inherited all these super expensive things. And like, is it worth it for security? And, right. and is it worth stopping a program? Like, that's a waste of money for all this money that's gone into it, you know? It's sort of a darned if you do and darned if you don't situation. Right. And-
1: and as you may recall, Alice Waters was being very vocal about the Obama's choice of White House chef and encouraging them to have an organic vegetable garden on the White House property and even trying to make recommendations about the secretary of agriculture. And um, one of our, our bloggers here, Sarah Dowdy, who's our, our green editor, blogged about Mrs. Obama having planted a garden. I know all was well and good. Maybe she was able to uh, appease Alice Waters Mm. and her camp of followers. And then not too long ago, she was actually petitioned by the Mid-America Crop Life Association to put fertilizer and pesticides on her organic garden. Uh So you can't really win sometimes if you're president or first lady. It's a tough job. Definitely. So as you were saying, some of these perks may seem like luxuries, but other ones like security, for instance, are just necessities.
2: Yeah. And some presidents have actually wanted to, or at least dependents, have wanted to opt out of the security. You can imagine um, how awkward it is to go around everywhere with security guards, the disadvantages of that sort of perk. And it wasn't until 84 that the law was passed to, um, to allow the president and his dependents to opt out of that security, which is interesting. And when people leave the How Stuff Works office, we
1: actually offer security detail for our more notable workers here, like our bloggers and our podcasters. And it used to be that Marshall Brain did that, but he's been keeping really busy. So now our producer, Jerry Rowland, <laughs> follows people around and sharing that they're safe from the masses of adoring fans. And, and it's a little creepy, honestly. <laughs> it, it really is. So
2: my question is, Jane, what do you think about that? Uh, I'm not so sure. It actually turns out that uh, I'll have to face that decision soon because I'm actually leaving the How Stuff Works office. I'll be uh, moving out of the area and sadly leaving behind all my colleagues and you, Candace. And I will cry.
1: <laughs> I'll cry too. And you can't see tears, yeah, through your your headphones listening <laughs> to this podcast. But you should know that Jane has been such an important and significant addition to the Stuff You Missed in History Class podcast. It's a totally different creature now than when it first started almost Aww. a year ago, <laughs> and I really appreciate the quiet dignity and Intelligent conversation she's brought, and especially all of her facts about the Crusades and um, the the history of the Catholic Church. She's really you can see how I light history. up with the Catholic Church. Yes, she's well,
2: great at it. it's been it's been a joy being able to record with you, Candace. You're always effervescent, and uh, uh, you make history uh, really exciting, even when I my dry interpretations, You're able to spin it something happy and fun. I
1: wouldn't call it dry, but. <laughs> Ding has promised that she'll continue listening to the podcast. And I certainly hope that even though there will be a a notable absence here, that all of you will continue doing the same. And until next time, you can read more about presidential perks and other great presidential history on the website at HowStuffWorks.com.
0: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the Stuff You Missed in History Class blog on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage.